Hi, this is Nancy Herald, and welcome to my show, High Road to Humanity. In every episode, I tell you powerful true stories filled with great wisdom that you can use in your own life as you strive for a higher road to travel. My featured guests will have their own unique stories to tell that enlighten your mind and your soul. So kick back, relax, and learn the secret to success when you take the high road. Hi, this is Nancy Yerald, and welcome to High Road to Humanity. And I'm here today with William Peters, and we're going to, he's got a new book out, you guys. It came out Tuesday. It's called At Heaven's Door. If you're watching me on YouTube, I'm holding it up right now. Let me give you just a real quick synopsis of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, so in 2000, um, Peters was volunteering at the Zen Hospice Project in San Francisco when he had an extraordinary experience as he was reading aloud to a patient. He suddenly felt himself floating in midair, completely out of his body. The patient, who was also aloft, looked at him and smiled. The next moment, Peters felt himself return to his body, but the patient never regained consciousness and died. So, Long whispered about in the hospice and medical communities, these extraordinary moments of final passage are openly discussed and explained in At Heaven's Door. This book is filled with powerful tales of spouses on departing this earth after decades together and bereaved parents who shared their children's entry into the afterlife. Hey, welcome, William, to High Road to Humanity. Thank you, Nancy. Pleasure to be here. I'm just really excited that you're here today. So thanks for coming. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm real big into the heaven thing. So <laughs> I'm real connected up there. Anyway, so it's going to be a fun show. But before um, we get talking, I just want to talk about a couple things uh, I want to bring to people's attention. This is High Road to Humanity. So two things that really blew my mind this morning that I want to talk about. Here's the headline. Parents and caregivers of young children say they've hit pandemic rock a bottom. This is a quote. I had a parent tell me to F off last week. Corey Berg said she directs the Hope Day School, a church-affiliated early childhood program in Dallas. The unhappy mother took her two children out of Berg Center after each of their classrooms were closed for quarantine, saying she'd hired a nanny. Wanting to return, she emailed, called, and finally showed up in the middle of the day, just as Berg had warned her spots were taken. The mother, according to Berg, threw a fit before coming back and apologizing. She was like a toddler. She was jumping up and down. This is what's going on in our schools because people have to go to work and they don't know what to do. Now, on the flip side, <laughs> he's probably going, oh my God. Um, listen to this headline, COVID, face mask rules and COVID passes to end in England. I don't know if you guys have heard about this because I don't know why they're not talking about it so much, but England's plan B measures are to end from next Thursday with mandatory face coverings in public places. So the prime minister also said the government would immediately drop its advice for people to work from home. The uh, PM said England was reverted to plan A due to boosters and how people had followed plan B measures. He told scientists, uh, he told MPs, scientists believe that Omicron wave had peaked nationally. So they're going back to normal. I think that's really cool. Do you have anything to say about this, William? You know, the whole COVID pandemic has really pushed us as a human species to the a modern human species, as we like to call ourselves, to the limits of yeah. science in a certain sense. It's so much um, uncertainty and speculation. But I, I guess my response was just compassion for, yeah. you know, everybody involved. I, you know, there's a lot of, 
disagreements about, you know, how to deal with it. But I think the real important thing is just like, you know, people are doing the best they can. This is, this for us is a, is kind of a first. I mean, we haven't had a, a, a virus that is this uh, wily and uh, adaptable. And so I just say to my people and I, you know, I'm a psychotherapist. So I work with a lot of people who are, you know, over the top, yeah, over yeah. the top, stressed out. They, yeah. you know, what I hear all the time is, I've seen behavior in myself. I didn't think I was capable. Of. <laughs> oh yeah. And you know, I was just going to say, as you were talking about this, it's how we, we react to the situation. And it, I'm really glad you're here today because there is more to, to life than what we're doing right here. I believe we're here to learn. I'm sure you do too, but you've had a couple near death experiences. Talk to us about what happened to you. Tell the audience what happened and how you got into, you know, this whole situation where you wanted to find out about other people's near-death experiences. So, yeah, I was living a normal life, kind of a suburban boy outside Silicon Valley. And at 17 years old, I went up skiing with a friend over the weekend and had a really bad skiing accident, crushed my spine. Uh, and then I was catapulted out of my body at the moment of impact. Things went dark for a bit. But I was always there. I was observing the darkness. And then I next thing I know, I see my body on the ski slope. I'm moving away very rapidly. Uh, look at the continental North America, enamored, at peace. Then the satellite view of Earth. Everything's all fine. It's just like, okay, now this is happening. I would have a life review right then as well, up to my, my previous 17 years, which taught me pretty quickly that uh, everything I'd ever done in my life was recorded somewhere. I was watching it all played back to me and kind of the importance of my activities and behaviors was being revealed to me as well. I kind of thought, well, that didn't matter, but actually a lot of it did. Uh, so kind of a teaching on, on karma, actually. And then I go into this rib tunnel and I'm looking through at the beautiful galaxy. Once again, just really enamored uh, and at peace, like, you know, and knowing that I've kind of been here before. I mean, not kind of, I knew that this was. Felt that, it felt familiar. Yeah, this wasn't foreign to me. Okay. Um, but then I see the light and I realized, oh, I'm dying. And that was not okay with me because I said, uh, I had this immediately uprising within me. I am not ready to die. I have, I have to do something. I came to this incarnation to do something and I want to go back. So I went into the light and it was beautiful for a while. I was in that light and I said, well, you know, maybe I don't need to go back. It's so awesome here. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I called that light God and I was, then I started pleading with this. Okay. I'm not ready for this. I, I have to go back and finish what I came there for. <clears throat> and I'm also thinking, boy, the first 17 years were pretty tough. And now I got, now I've gone through that. I don't want to go through that again. I want to get to my life's work, which I had no idea what it was, Right. Uh, but I want to go back. So I came back and, oh, but as I was getting pushed back, yeah. it was like a pushback. It was a pushback from this light. I heard this telepathically communicated to me from God, make something of your life. Yeah. I wrote that I down. I don't know what that meant, <laughs> but I, I came back. And didn't talk about this experience at all. Um, oh, you told nobody. No, well, no, I didn't know. I didn't tell anybody about it. Oh uh, I, I just, once I was back in my life, 
there just seemed to be no place for it. I mean, I just didn't even think about it that I can remember. I did think about it in like some dreams or early morning. I had that experience, but I didn't, I don't know. I just didn't get traction in my, in my, you were young. I was young and yeah. I don't know what I thought. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even know if I was afraid that it would be rejected or anything. It just didn't even fit at that point. It didn't, How it didn't, weird. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah. So, but I would have a second NDE. Well, yeah. I should say this. It changed me dramatically okay. um, from a trajectory of suburban middle-class, well, you know, upper middle-class kid, you know, was that I went to uh, Cal Berkeley for college. Most of my contemporaries are going out into the business world. And I just felt no compunction to do that. Um, okay. I, I actually had some internships and some, you know, business things in San Francisco, but I made a big decision. I said, I want to work with uh, the underprivileged of the world. I just, and I, and I should say, I had an experience in uh, Peru, wasn't it? Peru. Well, well, I got to Peru later, but in Yugoslavia, yeah. Uh, the summer between, well, 1984, between junior and senior year at college, I was in Yugoslavia. I got behind the Iron Curtain, and that's a whole other story. But I woke up on an overnight bus ride in what is today Bosnia. And as I got up, I saw all these women with burqas on, Muslim women, of course, and their eyes. And I'd just woken up from an overnight bus ride. I was groggy, and just getting disoriented. And I looked out the windows. I pulled across the shades. And there are these women with beautiful, deep, in, you know, intense, authentic, genuine eyes that were desperate. And they, were, they had their hands outstretched. They were asking for food and money. And I was just touched deeply by the raw honesty and desperation. I made a commitment right there and it, it hit deeply with my own pain that I needed to be with these people because I didn't know. I, this is downloaded to me. They had something to teach me. It was a spiritual moment of awakening. Like, I have to be with these people. Now, what I, what I didn't realize at the time that I realize now subsequently is I had suffered a spinal injury. My life was completely ripped apart. I could never walk. I could walk. Later, I had trouble walking, but I couldn't run at all. Uh, I lost all my athletic ability. I had been a you know a really good athlete. Good athlete, yeah. I read that. Yeah, so I was I was struggling with intense pain in a largely you know active male college student environment where there was I was just on the back on the margins of my community in terms of how I was feeling. Um, so I was depressed. I probably wouldn't say I was, I mean, it wasn't clinically depressed, but I was suffering. And these women, for the first time, I felt some connection with somebody who knew about the pain that I was in. So I made a commitment. And later I was in Central and South America, as you alluded to later. Yeah. In those places, I worked with uh, a lot of people that were underprivileged and suffering in a different way. And I learned a lot. 
But I had a second NDE, excuse me. Yes, the second NDE after I got back from Peru. Well, let's talk about that when we come back from commercial break, because I don't want to interrupt you. Hey, the book just came out, you guys. It's called At Heaven's Door. This is amazing. I'm going to tell you, I didn't have time to read all the stories, but I'm going to go back because he has so many stories in here of near-death experiences. And we're going to hope that he tells um, some of those today. I'm here today with William J. Peters. This is Nancy. You're out. This is High Road to Humanity, and we'll be right back. Hang on, we have more stories to tell on High Road to Humanity. Check out Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, to book a session with Nancy to learn how to tap into your own abilities. Invited to Sedona, Arizona for a Sedona Ascension Retreat taking place March 18th through the 20th, featuring world renowned authors, speakers, and practitioners. This includes spiritual journeys into the sacred vortex sites of Sedona, as well as interactive workshops and a UFO skywatch. Visit SedonaAscensionRetreats.com. Have you ever been in a situation where you needed a miracle? I think most of us probably have. Whether it's a financial emergency, health crisis, or some other serious situation, most of us know the feeling of helplessness and even hopelessness. Now imagine having to wait for a miracle for six months, even a year or more. That's the situation for thousands of children all around the world who are waiting for a sponsor. Their only hope of escaping the poverty around them is someone like you choosing them. This is Nancy Yarrow, and I'm joining with compassion to give you the chance to be the miracle in a child's life. For a little more than a dollar a day, you'll provide the physical, emotional, and spiritual support a child needs, not just to survive poverty, but to be released from poverty in Jesus' name. Don't make a child wait one day longer for their miracle. You can find out more or sponsor a child right now. Just go to my website, nancyyearout.com. That's www.nancyyearout.com. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to the High Road. Hi, this is Nancy Yearout, and this is High Road to Humanity, and I'm here today with William Peters. He has a new book out called At Heaven's Door, and he's talking about his near-death experiences. Um, you have had two, so tell us about the second one, please. So the second one happened because I got a blood imbalance, idiopathic thromocytopenia, which is essentially crashing platelets. So how do you I was get a, that? <laughs> That's well, like- it's idiopathic. They don't know how I got it. Crazy. Um, yeah, it's crazy. So I'm in the ICU at Kaiser Oakland Hospital, and I'm passed out. I mean, I, I, they, I don't even know how I got to the ICU from the emergency room. 
Um, But the next thing I know in the middle of the night, I come to, and I am this awareness. I'm like myself as I, as I know myself um, observing from the ceiling, the life in the ICU, listening to nurses talk about, you know, their social life. Keep in mind, this is like two, three, four, five o'clock in the morning. And I don't have an identity. I don't think I'm even aware that I'm William. I am just an observing thing, consciousness, watching life in the ICU. Then the doctor comes in and he taps. He says, Mr. Peters, Mr. Peters. And he starts tapping on my hand. I don't feel his hand. I don't feel my hand being tapped on. I can see him from the top of his head. I can see, you know, his, his crown, if you will. And I can see, and then I look at my, that guy he's talking, I see Mr. Peters and I go, oh my God, that's me. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea it was, he, no, that's me, he's tapping on me. And, and then I said, hmm, I wonder if I should answer him. If I answer him, what would happen? Can, can I answer him? All these profound questions. Can I even yeah. answer him? Yeah. And I said, if I did answer him, would he hear me from up here? What, what, you know, so I'm just, so I just kind of ponder those questions. And then I do decide to answer him. And as I do, I fill back into my body energetically. I feel the aliveness in my body and I hear my voice come out of my mouth and then I open my eyes and my view changes from seeing him in my body from above, from now just looking up to him in his face. Um, and that's, that was, that was that experience of an out of body um, from my near death experience. And he did tell me quite clearly, he said, uh, Mr. Peters, you know, you should know that most people would have died with the uh, low amount of platelets that you had. I'm like, well, we're okay. supposed to, you're supposed to write this book and tell these yeah. stories. <laughs> exactly. Hey, what so, are the, yeah. uh, well, I want to tell the audience really quick. One of the major things about this book is shared crossings and what he's going to talk about. And I just want to bring up one story and maybe you'll tell it to us that I read in the book that will kind of maybe preface, you know, where this is where, um, this girl, Gail, was eating a grilled cheese sandwich with her grandfather. And can you tell that story to kind of explain what the shared crossing is? So that's with Gail. That's the very first one. Yeah. Yeah. Is that so, okay? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So Gail is visiting her father in the hospital and she, you know, she doesn't, you know, he's not doing well, but she doesn't know he's close to death. Um, so she's there. And then all of a sudden, she, uh, her father starts um, exhibiting some sort of, they don't know what it was, but some sort of, um, I want to say it's um, a seizure of some type. Mm-hmm. The hospital uh, staff ushers her out of the room and into the waiting room. She's in the waiting room. And while she's in the waiting room by herself, she says she has this vision. She feels like, you know, she doesn't even call it a vision. She says, I find myself walking down this path and I have a sense I'm walking with my father, although I don't really see him there. And so she's walking, walking. And then all of a sudden, you know, she kind of turns in to this, sees this gate and this, this gathering uh, behind a gate. But what she really does, she hears people talking. And she hears the conversation. The conversation is saying, uh, Walter's coming, Walter's coming, Walter's coming. That's her dad. Oh, that's her dad. 
And she's like, oh my, that's, that's, and she goes, oh, and I hadn't heard him referred to in that way since I was a child. That's what all of his old family friends used to call him who are all predeceased. And so she realizes, and they're saying, hurry up, hurry up. Let's get Walter's coming. So she gets this sense. Oh my gosh, they're welcoming him. They're preparing something for him because they're all excited and jubilant and Walter's coming home. And, but she comes up to the gate on this place and she realizes this is not for her. She can't go any further. And so, and then the dream ends. And I don't call it a dream. We call this a shared death experience. She has somehow been given a, a glimpse into what awaits Walter, her father. And it's a welcoming party. That's one of the features we see in the shared death experience. And I should explain for your viewers and listeners that a shared death experience happens when somebody is dying and a caregiver, loved one, and in some cases, a bystander reports that they've shared in the journey from this human life into uh, an afterlife. And that afterlife is, is typically quite benevolent. It's a, it's a very good feeling place. Uh, so this is what happened to Gail. Here she is. Somehow she is sharing in some way this journey that yeah. Walter's on. It's really important, this walk along that path, yeah. because there's always movement in a shared death experience. Well, should I tell you what happened? Because I don't think, I don't know, there wasn't really movement. When my dad died, I was sitting on the couch and I was in another state. I was in, and he was dying and I didn't realize, but I knew he was bad. And I had, well, I guess I did because I said goodbye to him like on FaceTime. Then I sat down and I looked up and he was there and he was young and he was happy and he waved at me. And I was so excited that I got to see him. And I felt like, privilege that I got to see him, but like people didn't believe me. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I so, want to say this. So that people understand it's yeah. like, you're so excited and you're like, Oh my God, he made it. This is so cool. But then yeah. people are like, yeah, right. <laughs> so that experience that you just shared there, Nancy is something we see in the shared death experience. Um, and that is that your father has died and he appears to you you're remote. So let's be clear. Shared death experiences can happen at bedside or they can happen remotely. About right. two thirds of our experiences happen remotely. So yours makes perfect sense. He appears to you. He appears. And typically the fact that he looks younger oh, is yeah. also what we see. Oh, yeah. So spirits can be vain. Um, you know, it's fine. <laughs> I love um, it. See, it's a characteristic. And my sense is his waving to you. What did you interpret the waving as? He went like this, like, good to go. It, was, yeah. it wasn't like this. It was like, yeah. you know so, what I mean? Yeah. So just so you know, you said earlier, and I understand this, that, well, I didn't see him on a journey, but actually you are seeing him on a journey. He is telling you, I'm here, but I'm ready to go. I'm about ready to take off. And then did you see him depart? How did how'd that leave? How did he leave? He did this, and then that was it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not a big uh, representation of journey, but my sense is, you know, if we were to work with this a little bit more deeply, he showed up to say kind of this, thank you. I love you. Goodbye. Oh God. And it meant the world to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So there it is. And so he was, it's a gift. He was giving you a gift to let you know that, you know, he knows you're going to be concerned about him. 
and he want you he knows that you want to know that he's okay and well and he gave you that and then that salute i'm off you know so that's a shared death experience so thank you for sharing it beautiful yeah and and it's a common type we have uh, the, the only difference is sometimes people report that i felt he, the the spirit the, of the deceased come in and oh, then yeah. depart and then well, depart no you're right he was <laughs> No, I didn't say that part. He was yeah. in the living room. Like I knew he was there. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? Before yes. I saw him, I knew he was in my living. It was weird, but I yeah. didn't say anything. I'm so psychic anyway, but I knew he was there. And I kind of was like, he was like watching me and like what I was doing. And then I looked up and then he, you're right. That's exactly yeah. what happened. So this yeah. is what you find with, ev- with everybody, huh? Or a lot, most people. Well, there are different types of shared death experiences. Okay. So I can, I can, you know, for listeners, it's important to know that the shared death experience has three major kind of features, well, three motifs, if you will, or, or okay. unifying characteristics. Right. One is the journey motif. Right. Always showing some sort of journey from here to what lies beyond. Mm-hmm. Second one is relationship. The relationship is central to this. That's not to say there aren't some people, especially, you know, someone like yourself or others, you know, I'm quite adept. If I'm at a bedside, if it's a family I'm working with, I'll often have some sort of shared death experience just because I'm so grooved to the dimension. I can attune to it very well. So I get privy access to it. But generally it requires a a deep, soulful, um, heartfelt connection to the dying. And the third element we see is the unifying kind of helpful um, connection to it is it's just like a near-death experience. It's very s- similar features to the near-death experience. There are some major differences because there are different vantage points, if you will. In a near-death experience, someone's dying, you know, they're having a brush with themselves, brush with death themselves. In the shared death experience, they are observing someone who is actually dying. So the number one characteristic in a shared death experience is that they will see the dying in some form. Yeah, that's true. Because I've never been able to see again. That's the only time I've ever seen like that. Isn't that yeah. crazy? Yeah. And I'm super psychic, super, yeah. you know, clear cognizance. But I've, that was the only time like God is totally in charge, you guys. If he wants you to see, he'll you get to see. If he doesn't, you don't get to. I mean, that's pretty much how it is, isn't it? Well, you're right. I mean, we, we it's hard yeah. for us to understand why. of our shared death experience cases see the dying, not all of them, but, you know, just over the majority. And then the other thing that happens is you see uh, elevated beings and spirits. Let's talk Uh, about that next. When we come back from commercial break, you got, I'm so glad you're here today. William Peters is here. His book is called at heaven's door and it just came out you guys. And um, I know we can pick this up at Amazon. Do you have a website? Um, you can pick it up anywhere books are sold because it's sold by Simon and Schuster. Love it. Okay. This is Nancy Earl. This is High Road to Humanity, and we'll be right back. Hang on. We have more stories to tell on High Road to Humanity. Check out Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, to book your first 30 minute coaching session for free to get you on your high road. Do you struggle with knowing the right food for your lifestyle? 
Is there really a one right way to eat? As a chronic dieter, I was always so confused by the food rules and the fad diets. Where to even start? That's why I decided to go into health coaching. As your health coach, I will help you find the solution that is right for you. I will help you find balance. Unlike most dietitians and nutritionists, I focus on a whole person approach, not just food. I address stress, sleep patterns, underlying root issues, and so many other contributing factors to health. And as a mental illness survivor, I love talking about ways to fire up brain health. If you're interested in learning more and maybe even a complimentary consultation, contact me at www.sparkingwholeness.com or message me on Instagram through the handle sparkingwholeness. And now let's get back to the show. We will be right back on High Road to Humanity. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or download directly from Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, so you never miss an episode of The High Road. Hi, this is Nancy Yearout, and this is High Road to Humanity. I'm here today with William Peters. He has a new book out at Heaven's Door. If you're watching me on um, YouTube right now, I'm holding the book up. Hey, um, he's going to talk to us some more about um, the other side, but I ask um, if you talk a little bit about the angels, the angelic realm. Yeah, so one of the features of the shared death experience is these elevated beings that are seen by the shared death experiencer. So sometimes they call them angels. I mean, in my book, I refer to that chapter as angels because that's a common identification for this type of presence. Uh, Sometimes they call them beings of light and they describe them. Sometimes they do actually appear to have wings. It's kind of interesting. And sometimes they just say, I felt an elevated presence or or it had a, a form of a human being in a certain way. But it was, they say, it was it had the shape and form of a human being, but it was so much more powerful and loving and, you know, just kind of extreme in those um, virtuous ways. So they appear in a great deal of our cases. And there is one particular manifestation uh, that I'm most intrigued with. And that is what I've identified as the conductor. It's this force that seems to be managing the transition of the human spirit soul, or I should say it differently, the soul spirit, which resides in the human being to a transition to the afterlife or what comes next. And it's, and this conductor is seen sometimes in angelic form. There's one case I'll share it to you with you right now. Um, This is towards the end of the book. This is Amelia. And Amelia had a very challenging situation. Her 10-year-old son was diagnosed with cancer. And after three years of, you know, trying to seek the best treatment and, you know, keep him here, he, at the moment of his death, Amelia describes a beautiful lady appearing and like angelic, filled with light. She goes, she is so beautiful. She even says, I have to remember this. I've never seen anything so beautiful. So, but so this angelic being is there and she's urgent. She says she's urgent. She's come to do something. And just at that moment, 
her son uh, dies. And Amelia says, oh, she gets it. This beautiful woman has come to take her child. And she came with a mission and one that she was intentionally you know, carrying out within this time-space continuum. And so she takes her son. And at the same time, um, Charmin, Amelia's sister, the aunt of Tom, very close to Tom, walks into the room and she says, I saw Tom rising out of his body. I saw him sit up in his bed and then he went upwards and was gone. So these two events, uh, two experiences uh, by family members, the mother and the aunt of Tom, at the, at the exact same moment, corroborate that Tom is dying and he's being received and guided by this being of light. Call her an angel if you'd like. I think Amelia would have no problem with that. Uh, but also in my uh, nomenclature, I call this the conductor. This lovely lady, this being has come down to facilitate Tom's transition and guide it. Uh, and we see this in various ways in our research of now over 225 cases. We see. Yeah. Well, and you talk, I just want you say you studied more than 800 separate SGE cases, shared death experience yeah. cases. I, I just want to ask you, I'm just curious. I know this, but I just want you to confirm it. There's always some, an entity that comes to help that person. We don't see that borne out all the time in the research. Okay. Talk to me about that. Yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. So what we see is, so what the shared death experiencer sees or observes or senses is that the dying is moving towards a destination Oftentimes they'll see a light in the distance that they're moving towards. Oftentimes they'll see deceased relatives and friends who are there to assist, comfort, guide. I've mentioned the angels that appear in different ways and different forms. They're all there to assist. The, the, the atmosphere that this is taking place in is glorious. It's, it's heavenly. It's hyper alive. It's more real than real. And when the experiencers uh, are in that space, what they, what they uh, describe is, I knew I had answers to everything. I understood the secrets of the universe. Any question I had was answered in my mind. And I felt so connected to everybody, everything. And I was so at peace. Um, and so that's the shared death experience. That's, those are the dominant features. Now, what pushed you to continue and get all these, put all these stories together and put the book together. I mean, why did you do this? Was this your I, mission? Is this what God would, wanted you to do? It certainly <laughs> feels that way. Um, <laughs> this, I believe, is my last job. <laughs> so, um, so I was very interested in, after these two near-death experiences, I, I should say, I tried to push this stuff away. I just did not. I mean, I was training as a psychotherapist. And in psychotherapy, it's a more of a medical model. I was transpersonal. That means I was kind of merging spirituality with uh, the psychology, if you will. But I didn't want to go so much into near-death experiences. At the time, I didn't even know about shared-death experiences. I really didn't. I, but I worked at Zen Hospice in, as a volunteer in San Francisco, a very progressive, cutting-edge, Buddhist-oriented hospice. Still neat. I was on a 24-bed open ward at the San Francisco public hospital, a lot of indigent people. I was around a lot of death. 
And on one occasion, I was reading to Ron uh, a story. He loved being read stories. Now, in this case, he was very close to death. He was unresponsive. And as I'm reading to him, I pop out of my body and I am suspended above my body. And uh, Ron's body in his bed, laying prone, asleep, largely looking that way. But I look to my right and there's Ron. Yeah. And Ron's got these big, lovely eyes and a smile as you know, big as the world. And he's telling me, check this out, William. This is where I've been. This is where, and I'm like, whoa. Now, having had my previous experiences, near-death experiences, I was very comfortable here. Right. But I was a bit shocked that it happened and that Ron was there too. <laughs> so I don't have spontaneous out-of-body experiences, not at that time. And even now I don't have them. Um, but so it seemed to me that Ron had invited me into this space. Oh, okay. And it was quite moving. Mm-hmm. So, but I talked to my supervisor there who I loved. He'd been a veteran of hospice. And he said, oh, William, you know, phenomena rolling by, let it go. Very Buddhist response. But I would have more of these experiences on this hospice ward. And I, I didn't talk about them like so many of us, like so many of your listeners who probably said, oh, my gosh, you know, I had one of these things, but I never knew it was a shared death experience. So um, with that, I still didn't talk about it until I met Raymond Moody, the founder of, you know, the near-death experience. I met him at a talk in 2009, and he was talking about the shared death experience. Why? Because he would get letters from people saying, hey, Raymond, I didn't have a near-death experience, but I had a very similar experience at the death of my mother. And then Raymond would take these, collect these letters over the years. And then he wrote up glimpses of eternity to say, hey, everybody, there's another experience called the shared death experience, very similar to the near-death experience, but it's experienced by caregivers, loved ones um, who are at the death of someone they're close to. I'm really glad you wrote the book. I mean, more and more. And that's one of the reasons I do this show, just so you you know, um, is because I want people to realize that we're here for a while and we experience and then we go to another dimension and not to be afraid. Yeah. yeah. That's well, the yeah. biggest thing. I just don't yeah. want people to be afraid. You know? you know, you're just you're hitting on something really important. And that is that all when we look at our research and I'm this way as well as I'm a multi-experiencer here, is that our experiencers report that they know their loved ones are alive and well in a benevolent afterlife. They know that they'll see them again. Their fear of death is completely alleviated. Their grief is completely different, as I'm sure I want to talk to you about. I bet your grief was completely different with your father because, yes, you miss him. Yes, you adore him. That doesn't change. But you know you're he's in a oh, good yeah. place. Oh yeah, he's so much better off. His yeah. legs had given out and he was standing. I mean, that's I mean, it was huge. It was gigantic. Yeah, because I was like everyone was like crying, and I was like, all right, daddy made it. <laughs> and they're just looking at me like, oh my God. But see, I know that because I got to see him and God knew. Isn't that, that's the blessing about this whole thing. It's such a blessing to me. A huge blessing. You're absolutely, that's why, you know, I refer to them as gifts. Yeah. You know, and this is why we need to welcome these gifts into our culture. We need, that's why I wrote the book. I wrote the book to normalize these experiences because, 
you know, unknowing uh, healthcare providers might call this a grief hallucination or uh, delusion or something. Um, and it's not. They try to they, rationalize it. <laughs> that's right. Well, they can't explain how it happens. So they can only have a pathology for it, you know. I hear you. All right. We got one more segment. We're going to talk a little bit more with William Peters. His book is called At Heaven's Door. This is Nancy Earl. This is High Road to Humanity. And we'll be right back. Hang on. We have more stories to tell on High Road to Humanity. Check out Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, to book your first 30 minutes coaching session for free to get you on your high road. Do you feel like something is missing in your life? Do you feel lost or alone? Do the things you buy for yourself lose their luster quickly? Are you searching for fulfillment within your heart and soul? What if you were given the ability to change your life for the better? To create what you want for yourself? What if I told you you have the ability to tap into the universal energy to design the life you desire? This was my discovery many years ago. As a businesswoman and a single mom, I had no choice but to pay attention to what the universe was revealing to me. And I learned how to use it for my benefit. When you wake up and pay attention to the messages that the universe is showing you, your life will change for the better. Because we all hold the ability to tap into the universal energy to enhance our love life, our career, our finances, anything you wish. This energy was created for our use and it's free. Now, I'm excited to share this information with you in my book, Wake Up, The Universe is Speaking to You. It's available to you on my website at www.nancyyearout.com. That's N-A-N-C-Y-Y-E-A-R-O-U-T.com, Barnes & Noble, and Amazon. And thanks for picking up my book. And may the energy of the universe bless you. millions of women each month who listen to Wise Health for Women Radio. Women are pressed daily to give more, learn more, and be more, often at the expense of mind, body, or spirit. Join us for revitalizing conversations on fresh ways to view your limited time, encouraging new, healthier perspectives. You provide a special spark to those around you, and you manage many roles, entrepreneur, mom, wife, coach, friend, daughter, and more. Here's a great way to inspire and nurture you. On Wise Health for Women Radio, host Linda Crater and her amazing guests share how to move toward your wishes and dreams and find what is possible in your busy life. If not today, then when? Take steps to flourish over 40. Join us on Wise Health for Women Radio, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, on iTunes, and more at wisehealthforwomenradio.com. Helping women thrive. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to the High Road. Let's hit the 
Hi, this is Nancy. You're out, and this is High Road to Humanity, and I'm here today with William J. Peters, and we're talking about heaven. And, you know, I asked him if he would talk to us a little bit about when somebody has a tragic accident and a shared death experience when it's a trauma. So if you wouldn't mind, talk to us about that. Yeah, so, you know, if you remember in the book, I talk about Sarah M. So Sarah M. wakes up in the morning, uh, just any other morning, and all of a sudden she feels nauseous, sweaty, high fever. She starts vomiting and her, her, her husband and her kids go, mom, this is what's going on. This never happens to you. We're going to take you to the hospital. This is seems serious. She goes, yeah, yeah, let's go. She's getting ready to go. And then she starts feeling a little better. She goes, well, hold on. I feel like I might be getting a little better. And then she goes, you know what? I think I'm getting better. I don't know what that was, but all right. So about an hour later, she receives a call from her sister. She goes, Sarah, very bad news to share with you. Uh, Leela, your niece, died of an accidental drug overdose this morning. And so Sarah puts two and two together and says, wait a minute, an hour ago, I was feeling this. I had like, what is a drug overdose? What are those symptoms? And she realizes, I think I was feeling what Leela was feeling. And so at first you hear these, you know, as a researcher, uh, by the way, when Sarah, you know, she's a, in, lives in town here and I, she's talking about, she shared it with me kind of sheepishly, like, you know, uh, am I making this up? You know, what, what the heck? And, and I said, you know, we actually have a few other cases about, about this. Uh, we have other drug overdose cases, unfortunately, very similar responses. We also have cases uh, of a cardiac uh, situation where somebody will report the experiences report. I had trouble breathing and I, and I felt I was having a heart attack myself. And, and I, you know, part of my body kind of seized up. And then she, they find out at the moment of death excuse me, they find out that a close relative or friend died of a heart attack about the same time. No, I want so to ask sympathetic. you. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to, well, let me stop you a second. Um, I'm an empath and I, I, there's a lot of empaths I work with and that's the empathy. So are these people who are picking up this energy? Cause uh, that's how it works. Are, are they picking up because they're empaths? They're picking up the empathy of that person, the energy of that person, because they're connected. Is that what you have found? I'm just curious. Well, I mean, we're not trying to, we haven't been able to find a character type, a personality type for the SDE experiencer. What we found is that they tend to be more uh, open-minded, receptive. They might have prayer meditation practices. They might have some empathic ability that they're not aware of or identified, but um, there's no question in our, from our research, since we now have a, a dozen of these cases that they are picking up on the symptoms. And we've checked that the, the quality of their experience with the quality of the symptom experience of the dying and they match up. Yeah. So so there is some sort of, you know, empathic connection, as you can say. That's why we call it a sympathetic um, response. Yeah. They're, they're sympathizing with the dying. But let me share another experience that I think is just fascinating. And that okay. is, uh, that, you know, there's, and this is also in the book. So um, Mark is finishing his work in New Jersey. 
and he's driving back after a week of doing some intense work, guiding people in the wilderness. And he's in the passenger seat. And all of a sudden, he it just kind of nods off and he finds himself with his father in another dimension, so to speak, just not on not in the earth plane. Okay. And and he's there and he realizes his father's confused. And he goes, Dad, Dad. And he goes, Yes, Mark. He goes, What's going on? He goes, I think you've died. He goes, I've died. He goes, like, well, he goes, Yeah. I says, he goes, so well, what do I do? And he says, Well, why don't you turn this way and let's go up, go this way, let's go this way. Mark kind of knows what to do. Now, you know, a lot of these people that report this type of experience, which we call a guided SDE. It's the experiencers called in to help assist, orient the dying in their transition, in their journey. Mark orients him. And then all of a sudden, Mark's grandmother, his father's mother shows up and they were very close. They embrace. And it's just this beautiful, jovial, you know, euphoric uh, connection, reconnection. And then Mark's uncle is there, his father's brother, and they all embrace. And then there's a beautiful blazing light behind the mother that the mother comes out of the light. The uncle comes out of the light and that's where they greet. And then they turn and they start heading to the light. And Mark realizes that he's at a boundary that he cannot pass. He cannot go into that light. And so he returns to his body. And then a couple hours later, he gets a phone call from his brother, says, dad died. And Mark goes, of course, I know. So these are profound experiences. Yeah. There was another one that um, I read. Uh, the son was going to get married. And he got hit oh, by a car. Oh, my God. This is, yes. This Will is you tell this? I hate to it, but it's, it, yeah, tell that story. So Dawn, um, Dawn is the mother of Sean. And Sean is about to get married. I think he's, he's getting married in a few days. Dawn is at home doing wedding um, preparations. And all of a sudden, no, I should say Sean is her son, mid-20s, who's getting married. And Sean is out uh, with his guy friends, bachelor type stuff. And at some point, Dawn just has this realization that grabs her attention and she says sean just died sean just died i don't sean just died and and you know her husband's like calm down calm down calm down they get a phone call oh by the way she'll say she felt herself pulled up in her body an ascension of a magnetic pull on her solar plexus heart area okay and then her husband's trying to calm her down. They get a phone call, says, um, from the hospital. And by the way, she's an ER nurse, so she knows the person who calls and says, Sean's coming to us in an ambulance. You better get here soon. She gets there, and um, the doctor says, you know, we, we can't keep him alive. He's sustained too big of head injuries. And so he dies. But here's what we call a remote, by the way, Mark's case was a remote too. And all of the cases we've discussed have been remotes, which is, mm-hmm. doesn't make sense because yeah. they're, they're, they're two thirds of our cases are remote. Right. Um, but Dawn has this remote shared death experience. And she says, uh, one of her famous quotes, that's actually in some of our promotional materials are, 
I will stand on the top of a building and proclaim to the world that I am an average American earning average money, um, living an average life, but I shared in my son's transition from this life to an afterlife. That's what she says. And those are the stories that people need to hear. Yes. They really well, they're so are. Healing. They're, I mean, it's hard when we lose somebody there, you know, I'm a grief and bereavement counselor. I mean, I can never take away the pain, nor would I want to uh, take away their pain in any way that would not be authentic. We need to grieve and feel our pain, but mm -hmm. these experiences help us see the bigger picture. Yeah. I was just going to say that to you. Do you see, uh, because that's my hope and that's my goal, you know, is to, to have people realize and to connect with the divine and not be afraid. And do you see people coming more to that yeah. realization? You oh, do. yes. You oh, do. yes. That if there's any teaching in this, it's that we go on, we survive life. Right. Uh, the, we survive human death. Life yeah. continues. Yeah. Life you can't take away. Life is the <laughs> substrate. You know, and then you survive human death. You go to benevolent afterlife. People yeah. often ask, are there distressing, you know, SDs that people see hell realms? Never seen any of that. The most yeah. distressing is the sympathetic where they have some of the symptoms of the dying, you know, the, the vomiting or the tight chest. But that's also very, you, you know, rare in our study. Maybe, maybe 5%, 1 mm -hmm. in 20, mm -hmm. somewhere in that range. Yeah. So most people just see, experience the glory of it all. And Isn't that great? You know, like the near-death experience, these benevolent heavenly realms. I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. I'm really glad you came on the show today. Anything you want to leave us with before we get out well, of here? What I would leave you with is, you know, if you your listeners talk about these experiences, mm -hmm. bring them to your close friends and family, and you'll find that they're more um, common than you know. And come to our website if you have a case. Uh, an experience, go yeah. to our website, go to our contact page, share your, if you're willing, you know, share a bit of your story or as much as you want. And my team, my research team will reach out to you because we're still collecting research. Mm -hmm. And we have a story library. You can listen to videos there of people having these experiences and they're easy to access. And, you know, if you want to follow us in our research, come, you know, get on our newsletter, do all sorts What's of things. What's the website? What's the website? Sharedcrossing.com. Sharedcrossing.com. Okay. And stay right. tuned. We have other, you know, I do other teachings. I'll be doing one with Raymond Moody and I'll be teaching a group in the next nice. coming weeks. So there's lots of ways to learn more and, and get the best end of life experience, because that's what we're trying to do. Help people have the best end of life experience they can have. And we have courses that teach that. I love it. I love it. Fantastic. So glad you came on the show today. You guys, the book is called At Heaven's Door. This is Nancy Yearout. This is High Road to Humanity. If you guys want to get in touch, I'm not promoting myself again today. Here we are, though. <laughs> if you want an angel reading or a psychic reading, go to my website, nancyyearout.com. You're also going to find me on TikTok, pulling up angel cards for you guys every day, and that's under High Road to Humanity. So um, make sure you check that out. This is Nancy Yearout. This is High Road to Humanity, and we'll see you next time. Everybody take care, and God bless. Keep the motion. Can achieve your goal. Let's hit the high road. 
Hey, you guys, join me next week on The High Road for more stories filled with wisdom, love, and hope for our future. Have a fabulous week and know that by staying on The High Road, you will make it to your destination. Visit my website, nancyyearout.com, where you can book a private session to learn how to tap into your own abilities. And check out my YouTube channel. It's Nancy Yearout's High Road to Humanity. If you can achieve your goals